The Law of Equivalent Exchange. This is Tim in Tokyo with Patrick and Kumamoto. What's going on? It's going. It's going. Um, I'm doing good. How about you? I'm going okay. Yeah, I was surprised to finally, as slow as things have been going in Japan, receive in the mail today an application to get the coronavirus vaccine. So things are finally kind of moving here in the very slow Japanese vaccine rollout. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. I've also gotten contacted by uh, actually multiple universities that I work at, and I just chose the one that bothered to call me up directly. And I said, <laughs> yes, please, please, gimme, gimme. <laughs> and uh, so, I, but I haven't looked at what the scheduling is going to be like. So, yeah, I have no idea. I mean, I could fill this out and send it in, but who knows when I'm actually going to get an appointment. That's right. That's right. And are you going to go to the Olympics? <laughs> no, <laughs> I, I was not planning to go to the Olympics before the coronavirus appeared. That's right. Well, I mean, I'd, I'd be more likely to go now because you could probably get better seats. Well, that's true. Um, you can't cheer, though, and you can't eat in the stands. Oh, you can't cheer. Right, yeah, because you might spew coronavirus out on everybody else. So you just, what, like mentally, yay. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, you... just send your cheers by telepathy. Oh, wow. I'm wow. thinking yay now. You know, because like, I don't, I don't really watch the Olympics, uh, but I do kind of like volleyball. So mm. sometimes I'll check out the volleyball to see what ha what's happening. Mm -hmm. At my college, the Japanese women's volleyball team played the U.S. women's volleyball team at, for an exhibition match, and I went to see that, and I, I got some autographs, mm. and uh, but that was like thirty. 30-some years ago, 33 <laughs> years ago, a long time ago. <laughs> wow. Those, those women's daughters are, or maybe granddaughters are playing <laughs> volleyball now. <laughs> well, I don't think it'd be granddaughters. Well, it's possible. It's possible. My cousin was a grand, grandmother around 50. But, yeah, I guess maybe not. But, uh, yeah. Anyway, I'm sure they're retired. Um, let's talk about Fulmin Alchemist Chapter 18, uh, The Value of Sincerity. You know, it's funny. What I do like about, there's a lot of things I like about doing this podcast, including, you know, like I, I kind of shift my focus a little bit about how I read because, you know, while enjoying the story, I'm also thinking about uh, what are some things that we can talk about. And one thing that I almost never do when I'm reading comics is read the chapter titles. Mm. You know, I, I mm. never really look at the chapter titles, and it's when you uh, mention to me what the chapter titles are in English that I I take another look and I go, oh, <laughs> 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 you know. I don't know why that is. I just I just look at the pictures, the pretty pictures, and I get right mm. into the story. Uh, what's the title in Japanese? Is this an accurate translation? Yeah, it's it's kachi, which is value, and sei, which is makoto. Uh, I is like uh, your will, so it's the, yeah, mm. truth, truth. Okay, yeah, sincerity, okay. All right, so this chapter, it starts out with uh, what would have been a couple of color pages. Are, are they color in the Japanese edition? 
No, I have the regular. You know, they do have these really nice deluxe ones, but I just have the regular version. But you can tell from the way it's printed that it it was originally color. Yeah. Yeah, this first story page and the title page. Um, And the first story page is actually jumping ahead a bit where um, Ed, Al, and Winry are with Panina out on a mountain road somewhere. Um following her to somewhere and uh, she's saying come on slow pokes hurry up or i'll leave you behind ed says leave us behind why why the heck am i following you into these godforsaken mountains anyway <laughs> and we get the title page and then we go back to about where we ended last time uh panina is now her wrists are tied together and Winry is geeking out about Panina's automail legs, <laughs> just going on and on and on about you know and her analysis of this automail, and Ed and Al are just sitting around saying, "Nice weather we're having, huh, Al?" <laughs> sure is, Ed. <laughs> and this like really random flower that's drawn next to them. It's, like, <laughs> it's really weird because they're on top of a like some kind of paved road. Yeah, there's a little butterfly there too above Al's head. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's just it's saying I guess it's like saying they're they're in a different dimension, a different world from, you know, <laughs> these two. So, Winry really wants to meet the guy who engineered Panina's automail. Um, so Panina says he lives out in the middle of nowhere. I can take you there, but uh, in exchange for that, you have to let me off the hook for picking uh, Ed's pocket of the uh, pocket watch. And Winry's like, sure, no problem. Uh, but <laughs> Ed's yeah, not I having mean, that. The, the way, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I think no problem covers it. It's just in, in Japanese, yeah, it's very, very like, you know, like, yeah, you know, like, yeah, mm, it's no just very, deal. you know, smooth and like, yeah, no worries. You're free. <laughs> and of course, uh, Ed is like, Mate. You know, he's like, wait a minute. Yeah, hold it. That's not your decision, Winry. We're turning her over to the military police. Winry says it's not a big deal, but Ed is saying that woman's a menace to this town. And then all these other townspeople are talking about how Ed and Al have been <laughs> a menace to them while they were chasing after Panina. <laughs> Yeah, it's the same layout. Ed is in the same position, uh, but his <laughs> he's being drawn now as like a lifeless, you know, <laughs> like rubbery husk because <laughs> he realizes he doesn't have any kind of moral leg to stand on uh, and that he's probably got to go and fix all these, all these people's places. Yeah, we've got one panel of repairing the damage and you got very far shot with the city skyline far off and some uh, alchemy like lightning bolts coming out uh, and people yelling at Ed and a dog barking. Just one thing, one tangent, if you'll allow me, that mm. when, uh, when Winry just kind of easily like, yeah, sure, no problem. It, it just reminded me of this one thing. I was watching a live morning show, like a kid's morning show. And uh, 
one of the one of the guys from SMAP, Shingo, mm-hmm. he had been playing this character, Shingo Mama. And Shingo oh, Mama yeah. would do this oha thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And with, with her finger uh, like in the okay and then yeah. open it up like hello. Mm-hmm. And so she would be doing this oha thing. And uh, but she realized that she i mean he shingo realized that you know he'd stolen this from this kid's morning show yeah from ohasta that's right that's right and so he goes to the show i saw to, that i remember oh, you seeing did. that yeah where he went to talk to uh yamachan and uh what was the the african-american guy's name um i don't remember but oh geez. it was that guy it was it was the black guy who's He's the one who had invented it. Raymond. But it, Raymond, okay. Yeah, and He's they would the say, oh, ha. Uh, That's right. On the show. And so um, they said, well, you can alter it a little bit. So Shingo started saying, oh, ha. We put a chisaitsu in it. Put a little pause in it. Oh, but ha. But see, in that moment, in mm. that moment, he said, is it okay if I use this? And Yamachan just says, yeah, no problem. Just like this. And Raymond's face went, what? <laughs> and okay, I, and, I don't remember that aspect of it. But. Oh, man, I so remember that. And then, very soon afterwards, Raymond was no longer on that show. So I don't know yeah, what happened. Yeah, that's true. So, uh, but I'm, obviously, he was like, at least ask me. You know, I'm sure his uh, reaction was not altogether positive. Because mm. I saw it in his face in that moment on live TV that he was felt a little bit, you know, not respected. Yeah. I mean, that, that's been about 20 years ago. Um, Cause it, that's summer 20 years ago. I was walking past a restaurant and I thought I saw Raymond inside eating. Uh, <laughs> I didn't go in and try to talk to him, but I remember that was just after he left Ohasta. Anyway, we're <laughs> what, what? Why did you bring this up? Just the the disagreement here, yeah, between that, Ed and it, Winry. It just, it's so it because you know that feeling, like you know that feeling where somebody's kind of this kind of made it really real for me with seeing mm. that on live TV. Like this is you know uh, some live accidents as they call them. Uh, I've seen just a few because uh, there's a lot of live TV happening in Japan. But, yeah, uh, I mean, Winry and Ed have very different priorities here. Winry's all right. about geeking out over automail, but for Ed, you know, it's really important to prosecute this person who stole his, you know, very valuable pocket watch that symbolizes that he is a state alchemist. And Winry doesn't seem to care about that. Well, obviously, it, it's you know, it means a lot more to him. You know, he doesn't want her to open it. Or touch it mm-hmm. you know it's 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 more to him than the position because for him the position is a means to an end yeah as far as we know as far as we know so far mm-hmm. so we are so up but, on the mountain um but yeah i mean he's trying to get her to listen to him but she's just gabbing with Paninia <laughs> and uh you know about planning for this trip into the mountains so uh ed and al apparently have no say (laughs) yep nothing worse than being in a group of people and then just some people are just so into the conversation you suddenly cease to exist (laughs) with no way in 
except for yelling, listen to me. Yeah. So uh, their journey to this, uh, to where they're going, they're going across this uh, long kind of rope bridge. Rope bridge. That will uh, become important later. Foreshadowing. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> so they arrive and they're talking to this guy named Riddell. Riddell. How, how is it rendered in katakana? It's it's ridoru. So it's like I'd I'd pronounce it little instead of okay. Yeah, they spelled it. D, they like, spelled it R I D E L. Mm. So it looks like Riddell or Rydell. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Riddell Lacourt and his wife Satera. And he's surprised that Panina is able to make it out there so often. Well, we f- we'll find out later why she goes out there so often. Um, but mm-hmm. then she introduces uh, the guests that she's brought along. They had been told that uh, the automail engineer was really unfriendly. And she's <laughs> kind of surprised because Riddell is not. But uh, that's he's not the engineer she was talking about. It's his father, Dominic, who we meet on the next page. And he is very gruff and tough looking. Yeah, he's got that crusty Captain Quint kind of aura going on. The wife is uh, pregnant. Uh, what, Satera is her name. Coming up a little bit later, there's a couple of pages that are just kind of about the miracle of childbirth coming up. But uh, Winry and Panina and Dominic are geeking out some more about automail. Yeah, but it's, well, you know, it's the fact that Wendy can actually hold her own in a conversation with uh, this guy. They have a similar outlook on mm-hmm. uh, on automail and, you know, right. he recognizes that she really knows her stuff. Yeah, and Panina thinks gag. It's like they're speaking another language. <laughs> Yeah, this is this is what my wife says happens when me and my friend Jim, when Jim had visited me here in Kumamoto, and we start talking comics. Mm. <laughs> it's just like suddenly I know I, I no longer understand what language they're speaking. <laughs> so yeah, now I wonder why they spend so much time on just talking about babies here. I mean, obviously we got a pregnant character here. Um, you know, Ed and Al are talking about like it's amazing to think that that they were once uh, inside their mom like that, um, and you know, talking about how miraculous it is and how the baby just knows when to come out. Um, but yeah, you know, what is all this doing here? I wonder. I, you know, what I felt very similar. Like I wasn't sure why this is getting like a whole page or so. Uh, and I think part of it is that we kind of have to remember that Ed is a young teenager hmm. and, you know, probably doesn't get a chance to think about this kind of thing very often. Mm-hmm. But, you know, like us knowing Arakawa a little bit, we're like, well, <laughs> something's going to happen. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's true. Uh, it's just more foreshadowing. Yeah, they didn't have to maybe have this uh, this whole page, uh, this beat, uh, unless something in the next chapter is going to kind of balance that out. Mm. You know, it's kind of a counterweight because she's 
so far she's done that uh, for us a couple of times where introduce something and we're like, huh, I wonder why that, oh, in the next chapter. Mm. Well, it's, <laughs> it's, then, che- it's Chekhov's baby. <laughs> <laughs> the baby right. that's that's shown to be inside the mother on, in the first act is born in the third act or something. Or shot, or shot. <laughs> Hopefully <gun>. not. <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, depends um, on the writer. Hmm. But then uh, Winry calls Ed over and he's got a sinking feeling, it says in the, the bottom panel on that page. Oh, and, uh, so <laughs> is that how that's that's pronounced? I mean, yes. is that how that's sinking feeling? Yes. OK, because they had to reduce it to a few words is probably why they did that. Uh, you know, this is basically Yana Yokan is, you know, it's mm. that line that they end up ended up using in every star wars got a bad feeling about Uh, this you know which you know i like fan service as much as the next guy but you know enough is enough you know (laughs) with that one line they didn't have to cram it into every movie (laughs) Uh, so but that's what that is it's like got a bad feeling yeah yeah um, so Dominic is examining the automail and makes an interesting point, which is that um, it's too heavy for his body size um, and could even potentially be preventing him from growing, which you know, is hugely <laughs> important to Ed. That's right. <laughs> That's right. So and Winry is looking for a way to make it stronger, but also lighter. Um, and she wants to be Dominic's apprentice, but uh, he's not interested at all. No way. I don't take apprentices. Um, I was wondering, though, in that panel where she's bowing, mm. she says, Dominic, please make me your apprentice. What's his response in Japanese? Okay. So uh, he's picking his ear. Uh-huh. So... Now we, you know, you, now we know it's like uh, he's not even interested in considering it, you know. So what uh, was it? Ke? What? Ke. This is the, and then he says yanakota, which yanakota. means, uh, which means, don't wanna, basically, okay. not so gonna. The translation, I mean, it's the the meaning is right, but it sounds too young. He says, "Yeah, right." Oh, uh, I yeah, can't that's... visualize somebody, some <laughs> old guy like that saying, yeah, right. It sounds like a teenager. Hell no would have been fine, you know? <laughs> Hell no. I mean, yeah, I, I I, think I agree with you that uh, it's a little bit young for this character. Yeah, it's the wrong kind of register. He's a, you know, he's a tough, he's a Charlie Bronson tough, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh Kind of John Wayne-ish, Bronson-ish kind of macho. Mm-hmm. But do you realize that Wendy, in this moment, she's Japanese? <laughs> mm, yeah, bowing, saying, please make me your apprentice. I mean, we don't, like uh, Westerners, we don't bow when we ask favors. Mm-hmm. Right? So in this moment, she's... Uh, it, kind of expressing as being presented as doing body language that a Japanese person would understand immediately. Yeah, it's kind of weird because 
I mean, we've been seeing this um, on numerous occasions, I think, particularly in the Back Matter comics, uh, where, I mean, these characters are not Japanese at all, and, you know, they have a very different sort of living situation and look and everything, and yet once in a while they become Japanese. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is, you know, this is uh, the limits of somebody who uh, has probably not actually traveled that much outside of Japan. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the first girls comics I ever read was a comic called Cypher. And it takes place in New York and it's about uh, twins, Cypher and Shiva. And everybody in it is, you know, Americans living in New York, but they're all Japanese. <laughs> like, you know, there's scenes with them coming out of uh, the shower, but it's it looks like they came out of a Japanese bathtub, as far as I'm concerned. Huddy, you know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it would be tough to write about another culture if you've never lived in it. That's right. That's right. Well, you know, I mean, look at the opposite. Come on, Tim. How many? Oh my How gosh, many yes. stories have we seen about Japan? How many TV shows shot in the same Japanese garden in San Francisco <laughs> have we seen, you know? Yeah. Or old former student of mine who was talking about an episode of Bones that she watched where there was a quote-unquote Japanese character uh, mm -hmm. who put his palms together when he bowed like they do in Thailand. Right, uh, right, right. <laughs> That's. I mean, there is... There is that gesture in Japanese, but it's like, that's like, sorry, I'm sorry. Or mm, it's not yeah. like, nice to meet you, you know? Mm -hmm. it's, yeah, Japanese uh, bowing for first time is, yeah, hands are at the side. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah. Um, and the cover of Dave Barry Does Japan makes the same error. But anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's boy, Dave Barry. That's pretty far afield from Full Metal Alchemist. Yeah, yeah. But my, my wife kind of, uh, she's kind of gotten used to it. She's just like, you know, they've done it again. Mixed China, Korean, Japan all together again. Yeah, yeah. yeah I can think of other <laughs> examples too. But uh, anyway. When you watched Batman as a kid, you enjoyed the colorful heroes and villains, the text sound effects on the screen the thrill of watching a heroic crime fighter escaping from death traps and taking down bad guys. But the show was devised to interest adults, too. What did you miss as a kid? Sexual innuendo. The penguin's too small for me. Closeted gay characters. I like that cape, Batman. Freudian death traps. Has the giant clam really swallowed Robin? Police incompetence. Bruce Wayne is a millionaire playboy. <laughs> Hardly a secret identity for Batman. <laughs> Whether you're a kid or an adult, there's something to like about our favorite caped crusader. Tim and Paul dig for the deeper meanings under the Batmania every other Thursday. What's the podcast's name? To the Batpoles. To the Batpoles. To the Batpoles. Yeah, and speaking of being Japanese, at the bottom we've got Ed holding the Japanese fan with the the Hinomaru, the Japanese flag on it. This So this is the thing which, uh, you know, he's playing a specific uh, trope. Right. Uh, yeah, in, it's a manga trope. It's, it's, it's a not manga like trope. It's not like he's actually got a fan with him. It's meant to symbolize something, right? But uh, what exactly? I'm not quite sure. 
Uh, I can't give you the the origin, but it's it's like somebody uh, being very obsequious, and okay. I've, you know I've got these gifts for you, and you know. yeah, he's got a box of mountain sweet cakes. It says, um, and he's uh, yeah a asking Dominic to. He says, "How about you whip me up an ultralight automail that'll make me grow taller." <laughs> And Dominic says, go home, you little bean sprout. And then we got a whole panel of him freaking out about being called a bean sprout. And then at the same, yeah, and Windery's still saying, please, please. And he's saying, no, I don't, I don't take on apprentices. Mm -hmm. And uh, Al is asking him to, why don't you put on your pants? Right, well, Ed had to take his pants off so that uh, Dominic could look at the automail leg. So two chapters in a row that Ed had to do that. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and the, the the image of the stubborn old man, the Ganko Yaji, is, you know, that it, on the next page, I mean, that itself is a very uh, common Japanese trope, the way that they have him positioned with his arms and everything. His arms folded, yeah. Yeah, arms folded and legs spread wide apart. Uh, so then there's a thunderstorm, um, and Panina is uh, saying that her joints ache in this weather. And they ask her uh, why she needed automail, and she said she was in a train accident, apparently when she was quite young. Um, she didn't have her parents, and she couldn't walk either, so she was having a hard time for a bit until uh, Dominic found her on the street and... Uh, gave her the automail legs you know and very gruffly very gruff but kind to her that's right well like you know every time in this uh in this series and many series if you have a guy who starts out being a hard ass he's going to be a softy yeah. and <laughs> if you have somebody who is a total softy they might be evil <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's just something you have to kind of expect yeah but the build-up like uh taking paninia from uh kind of homeless on the street with dead eyes uh to giving her out a mail and seeing her go through the rehabilitation and do what it takes to you know stand on her own two feet etc hmm. literally uh, literally and uh I don't know. I think that that, of course, he saw in her that she had what it took to go through that hardship. You know, it was, mm -hmm. or if not, that she'd probably have given up quite early on. Uh, otherwise, he probably wouldn't have wasted his time on her. So she's been wanting to pay him back, um, but the uh, the cost that was quoted to her by a doctor for how much that automail would be worth is uh, really out of her price range, but she's been coming out there periodically to try and try to make an installment payment, but he never accepts it. That's right. That's right. And then, you know, the fact that she's actually stealing to make this money is something that uh, here, Wendy stands in for Al as the conscious, by the conscience. Conscience. Yeah. Hmm, yeah, telling her that uh, 
Dominic uh, was kind and honest to her and and uh, gave her a healthy life. So uh, she should try to pay him back by honest means rather than pickpocketing. And she well, says it has, has to be an equivalent exchange. Uh, well, obviously to to Dominic, to the old man, but her standing on her two feet and like making something of herself, that would be the payback, you know, to him. Not, you know, not getting money uh, for it. But can I just say something about the word conscience? <laughs> what, besides that it's hard <laughs> I know, to say? I'm digressing again. Uh, but I can't help it, Tim. I have so many great stories. Uh, <laughs> you know when you've watched too many cartoons, okay? This is one of those situations. <laughs> I heard this story from my uh, biological father before he passed away. He told me that uh, when my half-sister was quite young, uh, he was sitting in the living room in his chair, and he heard a voice. Paul, this is your conscience. Buy Liz some ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> and, of course, we know it's her standing in the hall trying to <laughs> trying to whisper be his conscious uh, I love that story <laughs> alright back to, back to this reality okay so Panina says okay you're right I'll stop pickpocketing uh, um, I'll get an honest job and pay back my debt I may as well at least try it um, so then she pulls out the watch because she had she'd been holding on to it until they got out there but she'd promised to give it back to ed then and uh, ed's not in the room um so they're taking a look at it and they're they say you know we we want to, they want to look inside they want to open it they have that expression on their face when you know somebody realizes they can peek inside someone's diary and not get caught yeah. kind of face <laughs> yeah all three of them and uh or Riddell too. He's got the this uh, these puffs of smoke coming out of his nose. Yeah, he's exhaling. He's like, you know, it's like, it's it's this is a trope. Like right before you, right before you take on some action, you know, you go puff and then you get to it. Uh, but yeah. here and then, Windy shows up with. She's got all, all kinds tools. of tools, yeah. <laughs> and it's making that shaking noise, which is, you know, mm. uh, when you brandish, like, something metallic or... Samurai sword. Yeah. So inside the cover of the pocket watch, it says, don't forget uh, October 3rd of the year 11. Now, we have no idea how their calendar works, but... <laughs> this is correct. We don't know. And Winry looks at it and starts crying uh, and says, give this back to Ed. Uh, and then tries one more time, uh, or she's going to try one more time to get Dominic to accept her as an apprentice. And then she comes running back saying, Riddell, come quick, it's your wife. And uh, she's going to give birth. So here comes Chekhov's baby. <laughs> well, well, you know, you uh, don't neglect to mention the uh, the sound effects where she's running off and it's going getting smaller and smaller, and then yeah, yeah, yeah. That's an interesting way to show it in two panels, you know. But it it takes 
in these two panels, even though there's no movement, it just the the sound effects act as the movement, and you actually kind of it takes you a little bit to read them. So it it builds that you know that time that you can actually imagine her running uh, mm. at the speed that she would normally run. You know, like you you end up making yourself read it at that speed, which is interesting. You know, I just realized why I was confused by these panels. Because uh, I'm not sure what order to read them in. Hmm. And I, I feel like, so I don't know what it looks like in Japanese. But so I guess we're reading the right side first because it's manga and it's not flipped. That's right. So the way they've got it arranged in the, this English version, the loudest tump is to the right. So we're supposed to read those tump, 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 tump from the right to left. Yeah. So like, like you're reading each away. word, each word from left to right. And uh, so I yeah. think looking at these panels, I ended up flipping them in my mind so that I was reading the left side one first, like an American comic. Ah, that's see, a very, very interesting. See what it looks like mentioned. here. Yes, 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 yes. You you want uh, you want to read them left to right? Exactly. Yeah, they they should have done it like uh, vertical text. Yeah, from mm -hmm. the right diagonal down to the left. Yeah, so that your your, your than eye a, has to follow because it's all it's all written in one line, so that you want to read it from left to right in English. But oh, yeah, okay. they should have tur like turned each each tump like a quarter turn to the right, so that you would read from like kind of top to bottom, like a column of them. Uh, or you, or, you know, left. just like you know, just write them straight down, like T A P. Yeah, that would work like, too. Or maybe would, they were. Trying to fill all the white space, but <laughs> but yeah, the the way it ends up, it's a little confusing. But this is another one of those times where we benefit from seeing, you know, like both versions, because I think this is something that uh, future editors, translators can look at as you know something to think about. Yeah, I hope they're all listening to us. <laughs> <laughs> they better be. They better be. So, so mm. Winry breaks in with the shocking news, the surprising news. Yeah, Chekhov's baby is coming. That's right. Um, and uh, Dominic and Ed and Al come in. What's going on, uh, Dominic? My grandchild, my grandchild, my grandchild's going to be born. Um, so... He gets on, what is that, like a donkey or a burrow or something, going out in the rain to go get the doctor. Um, but just a few panels later, he comes back because that rope bridge is out uh, on on their side of the canyon. It's come undone, and it's just hanging down the cliff face on the opposite side. That's right. Um, so... Ed figures you know he can uh, fix it with alchemy, and so he's generating a kind of a land bridge to go across the canyon. But 
he only gets you know, not even a quarter of the way across until and then it breaks off under its own weight and he figures that if he if he gave it support beams that the river down below would wash them away before he was finished so uh he's really frustrated he doesn't have even though he has this power he's as he says a human weapon uh he can't use his power when he needs it most he's uh just helpless to fix this bridge problem yeah that's right it's we start to realize like uh, to be a successful uh alchemist to use your powers to the fullest like you have to understand physics uh even engineering mm -hmm. uh but in this case like you know he tried his best but realizes that uh, even his best isn't going to do the job. And I think that's something that he's keeps bumping into is the reality of his limits. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I have a feeling, I don't remember, but I have a feeling this is going to come up again when they meet their teacher. Well, yeah, it's, you know, I mean, naturally it should, mm -hmm. uh, because this is something that he keeps coming up against and it's kind of, keeping him from uh, developing or reaching yeah. that next that you, next level. And you wouldn't have expected um, Arakawa to put this situation here just when they're on their way to meet their teacher without it paying off. <laughs> this is, yes, this is true. This is true. Though some things, you know, she plants to be paid off way in advance. Hmm. Uh, I think generally, like, you know, her readers are reading from month to month and so you know with a, without too much between the setup and the payoff so we'll mm -hmm. see but i love this the, the panels with uh ed kind of uh in the rain and you know it's a split panel it doesn't have to be yeah it can just be a panel of him but they, they've split the panel in two which, you know, to me represents how, you know, he doesn't feel like a whole uh, person and he doesn't feel like he's much of an alchemist either. Mm -hmm. Right. Of course, also that kind of split panel can, it, it affects kind of your perception of time passing too. I mean, you've got, you can see the, the whole figure continues from one panel to the next, um, almost like there's a white stripe across across to his stomach but but yeah reading that as two panels it feels different than if it were one panel yeah definitely so panina says that uh satara's water has broken and she's freaking out uh and so dominic uh ended up taking the long route to get the doctor like kind of around that canyon so who knows when the doctor's going to get there so uh, Winry is going to deliver the baby. Yeah, she takes charge. You know, she's yeah. she's the only one not panicking. She grabs everyone by the scruff and the ponytail and the. <laughs> yeah, she admits she has no experience with this, but and she's sweating, but you know, she's going to take care of it. That's right. And that's where the chapter ends. So yeah, and so like Wendy, you know, we kind of we kind of know how. 
of the three, Winry and the two brothers, that you know she was probably the one with her feet mo- most fl- uh, firmly planted on the ground, hmm. and so she's probably you know used to having to be the cool-headed one in crazy situations. But yeah, I mean, she doesn't look panicked. She's telling everybody else, now y'all get your SHIT together, <laughs> you know, uh, which uh, in Japanese she's saying, hara kukutte kudasai, which is like gird your loins, or, <laughs> you know. But she is sweating. And in the last panel, you've got a little cartoon Ed off in the corner saying, you're the one who looks the most freaked out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, her smile is a little bit crooked. Yes. <laughs> Okay, so yeah, another chapter where we didn't, you know, go to action in any other place. We're you know not seeing any progress on the Hughes murder investigation or or anything else. It's just all focused on on this uh, one storyline. That's right. No, no bouncing around. We do have, uh, you know, we do have Ed again, uh, having to kind of face another psychic challenge you know uh and we get we get a little bit of backstory from panina who is uh hopefully will turn out to be even more interesting character yeah actually flipping ahead it looks like it's going to be quite a few chapters before we (laughs) see any other uh point of action besides where ed and al are yeah yeah but we got some interesting things coming up for sure Yeah. yeah I completely forgotten this part of the story. It's been a while since I read it. <laughs> yeah, same for me. It's uh it's but we're we're getting up to a point where we're gonna start learning even more about Ed and Al's past. So we're not going to be moving forward just yet. It's more like uh moving a little bit forward to learn more about the past and then uh and then we'll be we'll have all the information that they do i think at the end of the next set of flashbacks uh mm-hmm. and then we can progress on the journey like as one of the team you know yeah okay so and i think next time we're gonna have a guest so that's that's exciting it is exciting wait did we even mention what that date was supposed to be for the for the the watch yeah i mentioned it okay good (laughs) (laughs) well are you mean mean what the date represent what happened on that date no yeah yeah. no we didn't we didn't right right because i mean i think the people who are with us so far probably have an idea yeah Uh, i have an assumption about what it is but i don't really remember it's when uh it's when Ed reached four feet tall. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, it's the death, of course, I think, of, of their, uh, their mother. Their, actually, not maybe. It's either the death or it's the date of when they tried to bring her back. That seems more likely to me and when they lost uh, their, their normal bodies. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. I agree with you there. Uh, but... So Panina learned the important rule, didn't she? Ah, that the law of equivalent exchange means... You get what you pay for. Right, so we'll see you next time uh, with our guest.
See you then. Now that it's confirmed and recorded, I can tell you our guest next time will be psychologist Dr. Ryan Kelly of the organization Geeks Like Us. He has some interesting things to say about Fullmetal Alchemist and how manga can be used as therapy. Our theme is Cryosyncope by Winterfiend. You can follow us on Twitter at LOEE Podcast or email us at LOEE Podcast at DeconstructingComics.com. Support our show on Patreon at patreon.com slash deconcomics. See you in two weeks. The Law of Equivalent Exchange is a production of deconstructingcomics.com. Riddell? Riddell? How is it rendered in katakana? I'm looking. I'm looking. Uh, let's see. Dominique. Where's the, where do you see the name? Um, it's the the third page that he's on, where there's a a big picture of Dominic, and just above that, when he oh, introduces oh. himself and his wife. It's it's Ridoru. <laughs>